In this episode of the Love Language Podcast, I wanted to tell a quick story about shame and then get into words of affirmation. So this episode is going to be a little different uh, from the others. In this episode, I wanted to talk about um, shame, you know, and what it means to be shamed and, and loving someone kind of through shame too as well. Um, now, I, I talk a lot about how I always looked up to my parents and uh, set a lot of standards around things I saw them do and accomplish. Uh, but I've always had this almost obsession with people who have been shamed. You know, growing up, I was blessed to be considered, a, you know, uh, somewhat of a cool kid, whatever that is. Uh, and after my father left our house, we were poor. But my older brother always made sure I looked good. And my mother was very involved with my school life and social life uh, and was very aware uh, of how my peers perceived me. You know, um, I was always seen as the leader uh, amongst friends and and my mother would always kind of scoff and and laugh at that, uh, but was always always, uh, recognized that. Um, and also did her best to make sure that I had all of the cool stuff. You know, uh, no matter how poor we were, I always had some kind of fly something, you know, uh, whether it was, you know, new shoes, um, a gaming system, you know, the new CD, whether that was, you know, early childhood, that was 50 Cent, you know, Jay-Z, you know, uh, and whatever else you could think of. You know, I I always had the fly thing. My mother was really good about that. As poor as we were, um, I could always you know, beg my way into uh, something and she would borrow money, you know, just to get it, um, which is crazy, right? Uh, but, you know, that's how my uh, mother was. And and she did this stuff for me, even if it meant, you know, the lights went on uh, or my mother herself would uh, have to go hungry even, you know, um, just to spoil me with a, a gift. Man, she was really good about that, you know, um, and and with my love language now, you know, uh, uh, it's definitely, it, I, I still am one for uh, of words from affirmation, but uh, I love my gifts. I, I really do. They mean a lot to me now. <laughs> uh, nothing like it. Um, you know, and, and whether that was right or wrong on my mother's part, she always sacrificed uh, her own happiness um, and stability, you know, uh, for me just to make sure I was happy and, and looked cool. You know, um, my mother was seen as a bit of a square growing up, uh, and those were her words, you know, not mine. Uh, so her number one thing that she would always tell me was, um, you know, uh, sweetheart, which is a family nickname of mine, um, you're so cool, you know, everybody likes you, uh, you know, and wants to be like you. And I thought that was just crazy to hear, you know, I, I didn't like that uh, coming from my mother. It was, it was great. You know, I love those compliments, but, uh, you know, uh, I was an egoless kid, so that would always bother me. But uh, I always thought that was a bit funny uh, and I would kind of blush that off, you know. You know, and that and that brings me to um buddy of mine growing up, Jacob. So this I had a crazy situation happen um, on, on you know, a real shameful thing that happened when I was uh, in junior high. 
this was when I was in uh, eighth grade. When I was in uh, eighth grade, um, I was in a, uh, you know, not poor side of town, but, uh, you know, low income side of town uh, in West Phoenix. And, uh, you know, I had went to a pretty big middle school um, and kind of grew up all around the same kids. But uh, we all got in trouble together, fought together, uh, did all all broken houses together, you know, do little kid parties, all the bad stuff that kids do in the neighborhoods. Um, but I had the joy of, you know, growing up with these same people and seeing them and, and really knowing them and knowing their families uh, and vice versa um, for years. You know, some of them uh, best friends I've had since, you know, kindergarten, you know, uh, first and second grade even. So that was always a blessing to be around those type of people. But, um, you know, we had a situation in eighth grade um, where there was a lot of shame that was kind of brought upon our um, classroom. And that was due to a friend of mine, a, a kid named Jacob. Now, Jacob was kind of a outlier, you know, as uh, the rest of the kids in the class were uh, either Latino or black. Um, and Jacob was this country, you know, um, Caucasian kid, uh, family from, uh, way up in the, uh, Northeast, uh, you know, a corn-fed kid and, uh, just landed, you know, maybe nine months prior in Arizona in, in West Phoenix, right in the middle of, uh, Little Mexico, we call it, um, so he was he was a new kid. He was you know everybody uh, liked him, uh, but you know he was him to himself most of the time as he didn't really fit in with a lot of the groups. But uh, nobody truly teased him. Uh, he looked different from everybody, but you know uh, uh, most left him alone. Now Jacob was different in that he was you know country. Uh, he wore these two strapped shoes that kind of had these soft like grandpa type heels to them uh that were you know squishy and you know had like old man you know orthopedic style shoes they were real dusty you know they were black uh with black straps velcro velcro straps two of them and i remember because they were spaced apart too far they, they were you know ugly they were hideous shoes right and he always wore these he always had dirty long socks on. You know, it was something that everybody always pointed out. Uh, but even, you know, everybody teased, uh, but, you know, uh, nothing extreme. And, uh, you know, everybody did accept him. He was he was pretty welcome everywhere. Um, you know, um, wasn't really in any of the groups, but uh, was, you know, was accepted. And now Jacob would always have this, you know, affliction for uh, guns. Uh, you know, with his family being from the Northeast, uh, his dad was a hunter, um, and he always would bring bullets to school. I always remember this, you know, and he would bring, you know, bullets from AKs, bullets from uh, pellet guns that he would always carry around, or bullets from his dad's pistol, or, you know, their shooting times. Uh, he would always just kind of bring bullets around, and and just kind of weird things, you know, and, and stuff we had seen before, nobody really thought anything of it, right? Um, but, you know, uh, as the school year went on, um, Jacob would always get in trouble, you know, uh, get suspended or get caught uh, and have to serve in detentions because of these bullets and, and things he would bring to class. 
Uh, but most notably, there was a situation at the uh, end of the school year, right before we were going to promote uh, from eighth grade and go on to high school. Uh, I'd say it's about two months prior to that. Uh, Jacob um, had invited everybody over to his house for uh, like a gathering, right, like a party. Um, and it was the first time he had done that. Um, it was something in the neighborhood that all of us did often. Uh, we all lived, you know, uh, it's a school neighborhood and we were all close. Um, apartments are kind of stacked on top of each other there. It's a low income area. So, you know, there's six to 10 in houses and things like that. So, um, you know, we were all in the neighborhood. We had never invited anybody over to his house before and none of us knew what his house looked like. Right. So he invited, uh, you know, some people over at his house. He said he was going to have a party. Uh, it was um, going to be the weekend after his birthday. And so he, so Jacob then goes off to start inviting, you know, kids to uh, his party, uh, which was going to be uh, a week or two after his birthday. And, you know, it was going to be fun. He was going to have food. He was going to have all kinds of different stuff, right? Um, but all of the kids, a uh, majority of the kids told him no, right? And they didn't want to go. Um, and they just weren't interested in going to this guy's house, right? And kind of teased him about it. Now, Jacob did uh, invite me, but I actually did not go uh, myself. Um, but uh, I definitely do remember, you know, a few kids uh, accepting the invite and saying they were going to go, right? So uh, Jacob did have uh, quite a few people at his uh, gathering at his, his house, um, but what I really remember from this whole situation is that Jacob, uh, during his party, uh, took the kids that had come, you know, uh, our classmates that had gone to his party into his garage, right? It was a garage bedroom and it was an extra bedroom in his house. And he took everybody there to show off uh, a gun collection, right? And it was... Um, you know, his father's guns, uh, he wanted to show off, uh, his dad's, uh, elk and things that he had caught and stuffed, right? Um, so he took all of the kids in there, um, and from what I was told, uh, they were all checking everything out and, uh, you know, touching all the furs and Jacob was showing more bullets and guns and stuff as usual. Um, and, you know, what happened next was, uh, really crazy, so... Uh, from what I was told, uh, you know, Jacob then goes up to get uh, on a counter uh, in the middle of the garage and grab a gun from on top of the uh, counter. And as he's grabbing the gun from on top of the counter and uh, kind of coming down with the gun, he, uh, crazily enough, accidentally shoots himself, right? And... Uh, he ends up uh, shooting himself in front of, uh, you know, a few of the kids had walked out of the garage, but two were still in there, uh, including his uh, best friend, Eric, actually, um, who was a year older than us and a freshman in high school at the time, uh, but was there for his friend Jacob. Um, and he had shot himself in front of these two, right? Um, so, and it was, you know, very loud shot. Um, and at the time, his parents actually had stepped out of the house um, and left. Um, I think uh, I recall them saying that uh, his parents left to go get um, like some more, you know, refreshments or something for the party or go pick up something right where they had both left and left unattended. 
Um, now, this is a low-income area, you know, uh, in, in many low-income in- income areas. Unfortunately, kids are always, you know, left alone. It kind of comes with it. I know I was left alone quite a bit growing up uh, from the time I was like 11, 10, you know, up until high school. I kind of took the bus by myself, cooked for myself, kind of fed myself uh, from like fifth, sixth grade on, you know. And for, well, that's good, you know, it's another story, but uh, that was the uh you know story for all the kids in our neighborhood you just kind of looked out for each other you know whoever's parents were home kind of looked out for everybody uh that was you know the kind of neighborhood i grew up in um so his parents had stepped out and jacob had shot himself in front of uh you know the two kids that were there um so the police get called and and by the time they get there of course uh jacob is uh you know uh deceased he's dead and now uh, what happened next, you know, I definitely will uh, never forget. So then the, you know, kids go on to tell what happened. And, you know, of course, us in the neighborhood find out the next day from other kids in the neighborhood. Uh, and people are going by uh, Jacob's house and we're riding bikes down there and walking down there. And um, we see cameras. Um, we see, you know, news uh, we see all kinds of different uh, different things. And one thing that always struck me as interesting is, um, you know, as we're all trying to put the pieces together, hear what happened, you know, um, see who went to the party. Um, I remember uh, going to school. That was a Saturday thing. And then, uh, you know, Sunday we rode bikes down there. But uh, the following Monday, I remember arriving at school and over the announcements they had, of course, uh, you know, said their blessings and and. and announced a student had passed and, you know, kind of uh, teachers kind of went over it in each classroom um, without saying names. Of course, our group knew who that was and uh, he was a part of our class. Um, But, you know, it was a real somber day. And um, I remember coming home that very evening, you know, after school, taking the bus home and, and getting home and watching TV with my mother and seeing that the news had ran these stories saying that uh, poor Jacob had played Russian roulette uh, with the kids that were in there and kids that were in the garage and at the party and, uh, you know, they were playing around with dad's guns, um, which wasn't true, right? Uh, Did Jacob make a mistake in, you know, taking the gun down from uh you know uh in the garage there yes uh but uh russian roulette i am positive was not played um i know the other kids that were there they would never do that uh and uh jacob wasn't that type of person either right um so they you know had spun the story and said that uh they were playing russian roulette and the kid killed himself uh and kind of that was that and um you know i told my mother well that wasn't true uh Thankfully, my mother believed me, right, um, and, and she agreed, and, and I remember her telling me to, uh, you know, speak up and, and uh, tell my teachers, you know, and, and tell them what you think and, and you know, uh, get together with your classmates and then say what happened, what you guys thought would happen, and then get your friend, the one that was there, to talk about it. Um, so we get, to, I go to school the next day, and... Um, you know, on the way to school is what got my attention because in passing by Jacob's house, you know, there was um, not news there this time, 
there was parents there, and it was like picketed parents, right? Uh, par- I'm sorry, parents with uh, pickets, like uh, signs, uh, you know, markers drawn on these uh, cardboard uh, signs, right? And they had kind of gotten together uh, almost mob style, right? And it wasn't many, uh, you're probably 20 at most, right? But enough to fill a front yard um, in our neighborhood, right? It was, it was quite a bit of them, I'd say 20 to 25. Um, and of course, kids are passing, school buses are passing. It's an extremely busy one uh, two-way street. It is the street the school's on and our neighborhood street. So it's extremely busy in the morning. You know, hundreds of kids are going by in buses. Um, and they're standing there gathering. And then, you know, as they're gathering, more people are starting to show up. Um, and kids are stopping. So now it's uh, kind of becoming, you know, a pretty big crowd. And they're screaming and shouting for uh, Jacob's parents. And um, they are holding up signs, you know, uh, surrounding this um, shooting that happened. But it's specifically they're chanting about um, Russian roulette, right? A story that uh, was not true, right? And I, you know, remember us kids, you know, talking about it. And, and so many kids now at the school who now learned about it and, and even teachers, you know, who are quietly whispering about it. And you could you could just feel it, you know. Uh, you can feel the overall tension around the school, this middle school with kids, and the kids were all now saying he was playing games and Russian roulette and then killed himself, right? And so now uh, Jacob and you know none of us really spoke honestly about this, and and Jacob now began to get his uh, character, you know, completely assassinated. He was a good kid, you know. Um, he went on a Washington, D.C. trip with uh, myself and the other classmates. He was just another one of us, right, good kid. Um, but now his character is being, you know, assassinated and, and just decimated. And his parents are just getting it day after day, you know. Uh, this went on for about a week and a half uh, before, you know, I think his his parents kind of shut down. I remember the kids talking about they weren't leaving the house. Um, and that, you know, became a big thing at our school um, with our main homeroom teacher um, also knowing that this wasn't true and really not believing this, kind of talking to us often about this for a while. Um, and it was um, really interesting to kind of watch this unfold and see that, hey, um, these kids, you know, know what happened, don't really have a voice to get it out there. Uh, they're watching this be spun around um, and watching, you know, his parents be shamed, right? And uh, now we've got Eric who watched this, who's absolutely traumatized, um, also a 15-year-old, uh, right, high school freshman, um, and, you know, he's kind of on suicide watch now, um, as he's lost his best friend. And, uh, you know, that situation definitely changed, uh, kind of the way I see things and, um, kind of started just an obsession of mine with kind of shame, right? And it's interesting to be in the position I'm in now and, and uh, see things unfold, unfold for myself. Uh, but most of all, it's interesting, you know, I've always had this obsession ever since then, you know, with shame.
And now I wanted to get, you know, specific here. And when I talk shame, I'm talking about uh, three people in particular, uh, three public figures that I watch go through this in my personal lifetime. Right. Um, the first is Monica Lewinsky. Uh, and she's somebody I truly admire, somebody I really think is intelligent. Uh, of course, she made a mistake. Uh, but, you know, we all watch this mistake kind of cost her her, her credibility uh, and even, you know, sanity um, and watching, you know, the media bashing and the, and the kind of public bashing that she got um, for what she did. Um, I remember, you know, as a kid seeing this happen, you know, this mistake that uh, she made happen and, you know, not even knowing too much about uh, those kind of sexual acts then. But, uh, you know, really me not really understanding why so many people were so upset with her. It was my first time seeing somebody, um, you know, make a mistake publicly and just be shamed for it. Um, outside of things that I was normal, um, used to seeing, uh, which were race issues, right? The only time I ever saw, you know, mob mentalities, you know, in my youth were um, surrounded, by, surrounded by race issues, right? Um, and, and whether that was, you know, uh, things considered, you know, someone getting, you know, killed by police, um, you know, uh, the issues, of course, that happened uh, in Compton growing up down there, um, you know, that were famous uh, on TV with, uh, you know, the police brutality there um, or just different racial issues. That was my only time really understanding and really seeing mob mentalities. Right. So the first time I ever saw Monica Lewinsky go through everything she did uh, really shocked me as a kid. I remember feeling, you know, very disappointed uh, and seeing this, you know, lady turn to, uh, you know, go from being the butt of the joke, which is always funny. Right. So there's no problem with being made fun of. Um, to just kind of being trampled over and, and just being labeled kind of a tramp, right? And being slut-shamed um, and kind of being the butt in every uh, rap joke, God, in every uh, comedy show that I watched uh, growing up for like years. I, and I'm sorry, not years, uh, but like decades, right? Of watching Monica Lewinsky go through this. And uh, that really, you know, really killed me. Uh, it's, it's amazing to see her bounce back um, and now be able to talk about these things. And, and I've heard about, you know, her specifically talking about um, words, right? Things that were said to her. And, and we'll get into words of affirmation here in a minute. Um, but the words and things that were said to her, um, you know, all the shaming and all of the, you know, uh, dirty things that she, um, she had received um, just fascinated me, right? And, and it's crazy to see her talk about it now and you know, talk about how her parents, um, you know, I think it was her father she had mentioned, had her had her showering, you know, with the door open. Um, so because they were so scared and so worried that she was literally going to be shamed to death. Right. Salem witch trial style. Right. Uh, and just completely bash this lady who made an, uh, a mistake. Right. Uh, but just bash her into uh, suicide. Right. And, and, you know, it's interesting, you know, you, what do we tell these people? We don't tell them, hey, you're being sensitive. Right. That's not sensitivity. Right. I don't think uh, anybody in the world can handle, you know, uh, that type of uh, media scrutiny that she had got. I think that was just uh, insane. Um, the second person that I, I watched go through this, uh, you know, was uh, Britney Spears. Um, Britney Spears went through, you know, something that really 
you know, again, I don't know, you know, who else could handle, you know, um, and doing this also while trying to be herself, trying to live a life, uh, but was just absolutely ruined, you know, uh, uh, by media and, and perception. Um, God, I remember, you know, at, at middle school and then seeing her shave her head and even my middle school, everybody went on fire. The teachers were making fun. I mean, God, any you, I couldn't even imagine, you know, the things that she was uh, going through um, then. And and of course, um, right after that, we've got uh, you know Kanye West and uh, uh, Kim Kardashian, who you know weren't together at the time, but going through their own uh, uh, shaming, right as well. And, and Kanye, of course, being the king of cancel uh, nowadays. Um, but it was so uh, interesting to watch Britney Spears go through this and go from being this, you know, beloved child star and Dis and uh, Mickey Mouse star um, to, you know, being bashed the way that she was. And I remember as a kid really not understanding what she did wrong other than walk out of the house in sweats or not do her hair that day. Um, you know, it was just fascinating. I could not as a kid, you know, it wasn't like Monica where it was, she made a mistake. Right. This was. Brittany, who, you know, was being herself and wasn't staying in line, I guess, uh, and wasn't really, you know, coinciding with status quo. So you, you just see her be teared down. I mean, it was, it was nuts, right, to watch. Um, and the third person, uh, of course, is uh, LeBron James. And, and uh, of course, now me being older during this time and watching this happen, I was able to kind of better understand this one. Um, and, and kind of watch it uh, transpire. And I'm talking about, of course, uh, his uh, departure from uh, Cleveland to Miami. Now, if you're not a sports fan, you'll think it's absolutely no big deal, which I do understand as well. Uh, but, you know, for me living in the sports bubble and, uh, you know, um, really uh, watching LeBron and being a fan of his, that was pretty crazy to see. You know, uh, of course, at that time, you know, he was kind of known as being the best basketball player on the planet. Um, but he was bashed on the media, you know, from TV to butt of every joke to, you know, this um, social media, you know, every text thread. Um, I, of course, was a freshman in college when this was going down. And, uh, you know, our whole campus was just on fire, right, with LeBron jokes and his hair. And, you know, they hung the pictures up everywhere and they hung up um, his, his quotes uh, you know, from his speech when he arrived in Miami and from the Boys and Girls Club. And, you know, one of my favorite commentators, Skip Bayless, uh, went in on him, right? And this, this went on for, like, for years <laughs> uh, until, you know, of course, uh, he won in public and, and got that uh, championship. But it was just crazy to see, you know, because um, I, you know, remember friends of mine, uh, we were all basketball, um, you know, fans. And, uh, I was a big LeBron James fan, and I remember, you know, telling him how excited I was to see him pair with these guys, right? And um, and just to see these people go from being fans to um, now talking about his mother and talking about, um, you know, his wife and, and telling, saying that he's now not a man and, you know, no courage and, uh, you know, you know, my friends turn around and saying, you know, um, you know, just because he went to Miami, um, now talking down on his um, judgment, right, and, and just overall manship, right, and, and and really talking down on him. I always thought that was uh, uh, pretty fascinating as well, and fascinating to see. And, and I, you know, I really am against a group thought, 
and uh, really am for independent thinking and free thinking. Uh, and these, you know, specific times, these celebrity times really um, just fascinated me. And, and I really wanted to bring those up when I was talking about shame, you know, and liken that to Jacob and Jacob's family. You know, uh, his parents went on to, um, of course, leave the neighborhood, uh, never heard from them again, again, never seen them again, still haven't heard. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them is no longer with us. Uh, I mean, they were completely shamed out of the neighborhood, right? And so I uh, bring all that up to t because I wanted to talk about the importance of words of affirmation um, and talk about the importance of support um, in a relationship and that relationship not just being with the spouse, but uh, a friendship uh, relationship, you know, a family uh, relationship, um, you know, and just a, a neighbor even relationship and how important, you know, words of encouragement and uh, words of affirmation it can be, you know, um, as a means of support uh, when someone's going through something or, you know, um, when this is the way that they um, like to receive positivity too, right? And, and that kind of leads me to, um, you know, what I wanted to get into with this episode, uh, which is uh, words of affirmation um, and kind of the importance of support. Right. And, and uh, that being, you know, someone's love language. Now, I, I know, you know, the, the saying is that actions speak louder than words. Right. Uh, but of course, that's unless, you know, um, your love language is uh, words of affirmation. Uh, now, I wanted to start off with this one because uh, this one was is, is mine specifically. Um, you know, words of affirmation is very important uh, for me. I came from a compliment of parents and a pretty compliment of family. Uh, so I do rely on those words and kind of um, get my validation uh, through, you know, receiving words of encouragement and words of support um, and not just from anybody. Right. I mean, from uh, people I love or people that are uh, close to me uh, in this case. And, you know, that's anything from, you know, written and uh, spoken uh, word as well. You know, uh, a person whose primary uh, love language is words of affirmation, you know, will place a lot of uh, importance on what you have to say to them and what you do say to them. Um, you know, your words speak volumes to these people. And, and even when you want, that, want them to uh, just let things slide, you know, these people will take uh, these things to heart. Um, you know, in fact, it's not uncommon for, you know, simple phrases like, you know, I'm thankful for and I love how you um, will go a long way, you know, in communicating how much you're appreciated and, and communicating how much uh, you love these type of people. Um, now, I know for myself, I'm really learning, you know, how to communicate that this is, you know, um, my love language and that... Um, this is my means for emotional support uh, um, in, a, in a relationship. And, and of course, you know, when it comes to you know, the five love languages, uh, words of affirmation is one of the most common uh, right of the, of the five, uh, even edging out, uh, you know, quality time and uh, acts of service. Um, it also is the uh, only love language that revolves around verbal expression. Now, you know, to people with this as their primary love language, um, they, uh, they feel fulfilled when others show appreciation for them. Uh, you know, what's more, you know, these compliments and, and words of encouragement do not have to be said directly to this person. Uh, and I, I want to emphasize that. Um, you know, a simple note 
uh, a handwritten letter, um, you know, is also appreciated and as well as, you know, just as much as a personal phone call. You know, another interesting fact about uh, people with uh, words of affirmation as their primary love language is that they, you know, tend to be the people who notice and, and care about the details of other people's lives, I guess you would say. Uh, for example, you know, they may be the first to notice um, their partner's haircut, right, or their partner's new shoes or their partner's new outfit. Um, they'll also remember, you know, to ask their neighbor, how is their, you know, sick son or sick dog or sick daughter doing, right? And they may even remember to ask uh, a cashier or, um, you know, some at your local market, um, if he or she is feeling better after a procedure or surgery or, you know, an incident. Um, you know, those whose primary love language is words of affirmation are often sensitive and very aware of their surroundings and not only aware of their surroundings, but aware of how their surroundings and the things that they say, you know, affect those around them uh, wholeheartedly. You know, uh, they are just really encouragers. Right. Uh, who, you know, know just what to say a lot of times uh, to make others feel better. And they are hoping you can do the same for them a lot of times in order to, uh, you know, reciprocate that love. Um, and this was important for me, you know, to kind of learn uh, uh, throughout life. Um, I went through a lot of different uh, relationships, a lot of different dating uh, but as I took on, you know, my goals in life and it was trying to kind of hammer in my career and kind of plant my roots, right, and, and kind of get going with my life, I really started to find that, you know, as, as my, uh, um, no longer had my parents in my life, uh, my father due to, you know, um, distance um, and then my mother passing and those being my main um, uh, um, means of support. Uh, an affirmation, I've, I've come to really kind of realize the importance of it and finding that support, right? And it's very easy, I think, for some or for most to say, you know, you have to be your own biggest fan. You know, you have to support yourself, um, you know, and hold yourself down because no one's going to, right, hold you down like you hold you down, right? Or no one's going to uh, be able to be there for you the way that you can be there for yourself. And um, I again, again, that's uh, I think that's very easy to say. And I, I also think that's true, you know, but um, I, I realized the importance of finding an external. Right. And specifically a person, a person that can be this uh, uh, encouragement, the source of encouragement and, and be the person you lean on uh, for words. Right. And, you know, some people call that wisdom. Uh, you know, you go to your elder counsel, you go to your, you know, um, older family, you know, uh, somebody in the neighborhood, uh, whoever that may be, um, for these wise words and these wisdom, right? And I think that's uh, along the lines, and I think that's uh, some of the same thing here. Um, now, it's really uh, important, you know, in going through these five love languages, I've learned to really learn how to communicate that with uh, your partner. Um, I know I've typically... Uh, you know, I had have done pretty good about this and in communicating love to a partner, uh, but I've learned how you can really misfire and and really miscommunicate and really get off to kind of a bad start and 
with someone that right that you're seeing dating or or wanting to get to know if you don't um, you know or if you aren't able to speak your uh, partner's primary love language uh, so in this particular love language you know um, and how to speak it um, a sweet note you know laying in the middle of the kitchen counter um, you know a post um, placed in the middle of the mirror, you know, bathroom mirrors, um, you know, tucking in this person's favorite poem under their suitcase or pillow. Um, and these are just examples of just a few of the many different options that uh, speak to a person, you know, with words of affirmation as their primary love language. Now, if your partner's uh, primary love language is words of affirmation, you know, you will need to find ways to communicate how much they mean to you, right? Show them they value, uh, you value them, I'm sorry, through uh, words and, and verbalizing that uh, emphasis and emphasizing that uh, quite often. You know, the biggest thing there, I think, is authenticity, you know, uh, when speaking to somebody and trying to show how much you mean to them through, you know, verbal means, um, I think authenticity is very, very important and probably, you know, the most important there. As uh, I know, most of us can kind of see through someone, you know, who's uh, uh, got fake words for us or fake words of encouragement, um, you know, uh, but... For people who have words of affirmation as their primary love language, um, you know, have a nose for BS, I guess you would say. So, you know, you have to be sure you are authentic when talking to them. You know, you want to be sure what you're saying to them is coming from the heart. Uh, because if you're making stuff up, you know, a lot of times these people will be able to tell. Uh, I, and I'll second that by saying, uh, uh, you know, being empathetic is probably uh, the most important following that. Now, when it comes to words of affirmation, it is crucial that partners realize that you recognize um, how they are feeling, especially when they're feeling down, you know, uh, and empathy is in, important anyway, you know, across the world. Uh, but think about what it would be like uh, to walk in their shoes, you know, and then demonstrate that, you know, how they are feeling, you know, through, you know, words of encouragement and, and you know, really show your appreciation. Now, usually people who feel, you know, fulfilled by positive words and comments will thrive when people recognize and appreciate uh, what they do, uh, whether it is how they do the laundry, you know, whether it is how they, um, you know, cook a meal for dinner or the fact that they've spent, you know, three hours, four hours uh, helping you with the report, helping you with work that you've taken home. Uh, but the key here is to tell them in no uncertain terms just how much you uh, appreciate them. Uh, if you are specific about what you really liked, uh, then this will really, you know, warm that person's heart and, and really fill their uh, love tank, as uh, Gary Chapman uh, refers to it. Uh, really, so, you know, don't hold back there. Um, and these people need, you know, to be told that they're loved uh, quite a bit. Uh, people whose primary love language is words of affirmation, you know, never get tired of hearing I love you from the people they care about. Uh, while many often feel like the phrase is kind of overused, um, words of affirmation, you know, a person with uh, words of affirmation will never get tired of hearing you say that. I know for myself, I never do. Uh, that is my number one thing. I, I can't say enough. I, people say, you know, you like your ass kissed or something, right? But uh, no, I mean, I, I can't uh, go uh, a week 
without a day, I'm sorry, without hearing that, you know, I, I got to hear that from my partner if, if we're together and then we're serious. Uh, while, you know, uh, especially, you know, when you need to find new ways and creative ways to communicate your love, um, you know, simple things like uh, I love you really go kind of a long way. Um, another example that would be kind of mailing them a letter, right? Uh, you know, emails, uh, texts, um, you know, DMs, whatever that may be, you know, those are great ways for these type of people um, to communicate, you know, how much you love them. And, you know, so I'd say get out a pencil, a piece of paper, really, and, and start writing and doing these poems, right? And your partner will really appreciate these things. Uh, your partner is really going to be surprised, um, you know, to receive these types of things from you. And, and now, especially, you know, in, in courting, you know, these type of people um, tend to love these type of things, these, these mailed in letters, these, uh, you know, over excessive ways of, of communicating um, and, and emphasizing how much you feel about them. And depending on what you write, you know, a lot of times in these uh, uh, love letters or, you know, letters to somebody uh, or texts to somebody, you know, really could be the uh, thing that sets off something special between you two, right? Um, and now, uh, also, you know, these people love to be kind of shouted out. Uh, you know, making sure you compliment them with your words of affirmation uh, in front of other people will go a long way. You know, I, I, lo I love this myself. You know, I, I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you guys love to be bragged about, uh, but it is my favorite thing from a, uh, from a spouse, spousal standpoint. Um, you know, and, and making sure you compliment them in front of other people uh, could be the start of something special uh, there as well. You know, telling them what makes you what makes you proud of them, uh, and what makes you really appreciate them uh, will go a long way. Now, you know, you really don't want to go overboard and embarrass your partner, right? But telling others how awesome you think your partner is um, will touch their heart. You know, in, in many ways. Um, so, hey, don't be stingy with the compliments and then and, and give them out, you know, um, in, in, in excess. Uh, and the last thing um, would be to point out their strengths. Right. Uh, this is especially important uh, for people who have uh, words of affirmation as their primary love language. Um, when this person is feeling down or uh, discouraged, pointing out their strengths, uh, especially publicly, uh, will really, you know, fill their love tank and, and help them and encourage them through any situation that they're going through. Uh, giving them a pep talk and pointing out, you know, what you really like about them, either first or, you know, uh, uh, post this talk, um, really will speak volumes to them and, and really will speak volumes in, in showing them how much you care about them, right? Um, these people need to see that you value them that way. And in establishing this love language in your relationship, you know, you really want to make it a habit. I, I can't say it enough. Um, if you are not, a, you know, a words of affirmation person or not very complimentative, um, it is a good idea to, you know, take notes um, or, or daily reminders to remind yourself of its importance. Well, for example, you know, you could say, you know, uh, good morning, beautiful, you know, how are you? Um, these terms of endearment, you know, of course, may sound corny. Right. Uh, but for words of affirmation, you know, a person with words of affirmation, uh, they will, you know, really feel special. 
Um, creating a list is another great example of this as well. If you find sharing words of affirmation difficult, or if you feel like you do not have a large enough vocabulary or, you know, listen for, you know, uh, affirming words and really start to keep list of them um, so that you could uh, refer back to them, uh, you know, as you think of new ways uh, to compliment your par partner. Uh, and as corny as that sounds, of course, uh, it's very important. Very, very important. You know, and this exercise will help you kind of build a bank of kind words that you could send your partner. Um, you know, and, and that exercise is especially useful for people that feel like they do not have, you know, a large enough vocabulary or don't have the wit maybe, you know, to come up with these things often. Uh, so I definitely uh, uh, suggest there. Now, one thing you want to avoid if this also is your partner's love language um, is, you know, I, being sensitive um, to criticisms. You want to avoid overly harsh, you know, negative criticisms. Uh, these people can be the sensitive type, right? Uh, can be, right? So you want to be careful uh, because, of course, you know, these people may take uh, a spouse abusing them physically and be just fine, you know, a lot of times, right? Or be able to put up with these things or be able to put up with these, uh, uh, you know, bad parts of the relationship if that partner is turning around and telling them how much they love them every day, right? I, they could put up with all that toxicity if they're getting their love tank filled, um, even if it's foolish, um, you know, they could put up with that uh, and get their love tank filled. Uh, in fact, you know, uh, once harsh words can send these people, you know, uh, just reeling, right? And down almost, you know, depression style rabbit holes, uh, right? Where, you know, it takes days, months, years for them to get out of just off of these uh, um, hurt words, right? And, and for this reason, you know, people whose primary love language um, is words of affirmation are extremely uh, wounded by things like gaslighting, uh, maybe narcissistic people, uh, emotional uh, verbal abuse, um, and, and negative words like uh, accusations. Um, and, and, you know, of course, these overly harsh criticisms are like daggers, you know, to these people's hearts. Um, so, you know, some things you really want to avoid, you know, in communicating. Uh, I'm sorry, some of the things you want to avoid if your partner's primary love language uh, as words of affirmation is, is not to assume specifically. Um, you know, don't assume that there is a perfect uh, quote for everyone's uh, life situations, you know, or current things they're going through, right? Um, you don't want to try to take shortcuts in expressing how you love them. Um, you know, they could tell you're faking it, of course. You don't want to, you know, be mean and have hurtful words with this person uh, as they can take it to heart. Um, you don't want to be condescending, specifically. I, I found that uh, in interviews and, and meeting people, I found that, uh, you know, this can be interpreted wrong, specifically sarcasm, uh, and can be, you know, the thing that uh, kind of separates you from your partner and really causes a, a, an issue there, um, you know, and don't withhold kind words um, as punishment as well, right? Don't take advantage of the fact that your partner needs these things 
uh, to get their love tank full. You know, and I'll go over that quite a bit um, through every episode. And you never want to take advantage of somebody's uh, weaknesses on love, right? You never want to do that. And this is a, a, another one of those cases where you know if your partner's uh, love language is words of affirmation and they count on you to fill their love tank verbally, um, don't take advantage of that, right? And withhold uh, words as punishment um, and don't go silent, right? Uh, communication is important in every relationship, but these people, you know, need this communication um, uh, for them. And so silence, it really can, and ignoring, you know, really can be that final nail, right? And in a relationship or, you know, in starting a relationship, um, you never want to go silent on these people, right? And, and, and ignore them. You know, that silent treatment, um, I mean, you could almost kiss it goodbye, right? I, these people do not like that. Um, again, my this is my love language. I, I don't like that at all. It's my biggest turnoff and it is kind of the way to make me lose interest in somebody or make me kind of just forget about you whole, right? So you never want to try and manipulate somebody and, and kind of take advantage of that um, or also take advantage of you know, them telling you personal things about them and kind of using it against them later. These people specifically will really take that to heart. And, and that could also be another uh, uh, nail in the coffin there. Um, so you'd never want to try and manipulate these people with words um, and hit them below the belt um, uh, with your words. Um, now, being loved and appreciated in a way that you understand is important in uh, any relationship, Right. Uh, but it is especially true for people with the love language uh, for words of affirmation. You know, they need to know that they are loved, uh, appreciated, and you will be there for them no matter what. And again, expressing that verbally, right, uh, um, or, or through these notes, right? Um, when you feel, when you can find creative ways to share how you feel, um, you will be speaking directly to their heart. Uh, and what better way to communicate that love, you know, and appreciation um, than through words of affirmation? Birthday in my mind, safe to take a step out. Get some in now, let your edge out. Toast some ice, but you'll be heavy in my mind. Can you get the heck out?